0: hi it's us again i know i said we wouldn't be back for a few weeks but jb just couldn't resist the ability to show his pretty face again jb show your pretty face go ahead oh that wow wow, that's that's beautiful yeah right (laughs) yeah you know, oh I see boy. more of you than uh, I, I should. Uh, people wonder why I don't have, like, uh, a significant other. Uh, that out sports piece that uh, came out about me didn't really mention much <laughs> about my personal life uh, aside from football, and that's because I don't have one. I really don't. Uh, so, you know, you're kind of like my uh, TV show or uh, podcast husband, I guess, or something like that. So that's right. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I did marry you
1: and your <laughs> wife.
0: So. That's true. Hey,
1: And we had a very nice anniversary a couple weeks ago. Thank you again for, for doing the honors. And, yeah, I mean, there, there were so many great games this weekend. We just couldn't keep our mouths shut. So, And stuff is only getting bigger and bigger. There's more stuff coming at you in, in this month of March. It's going to be a great month for, for D3 football. So, hey, we're, we're back. What can we say?
0: We're going to lead off the show with some good news. On the other side of this point where I usually say, This is season 13 of In the Huddle. So, uh, before we jump into the good news, I tease before our intro, uh, I do want to uh, point out that Tony Joe White from Birmingham Southern College will be joining us later in this show. We're going to try to keep these shows a little bit shorter uh, than we did last week. We had three weeks to catch up on, but we are going to have plenty of video clips coming up in our Crunch Time segment of the 12 games that we had uh, played on Saturday and Friday night, I should include, uh, as well. Two games we played, yeah. then by the ODAC, that will become a trend as the OAC comes on board a little bit later on. But, uh, JB, the good news. Uh, after some of the back and forth and uh, discussions we had, uh, you know, the, we uh, brought up by Union College and their questions of spring football, or spring uh, sports, I should say, uh, not football, uh, President David Harris and Jim McLaughlin, the athletic director over there, made an announcement Uh, to the school at large on Monday that indeed they are going to be back to action sports-wise at Union College and the Liberty League is going to have championships in most uh, spring sports it looks like and the NCAA hopefully will as well as long as participation is strong enough and I'm thinking that unlike basketball in the winter you will see enough schools participating in spring sports to have championships so the first full season that got affected last year by covid seems to be giving a little bit of forgiveness here uh this second time around the schools are willing to actually with the education we have at this point play outdoor sports and in mass across the country Uh, congratulations to our friend will bellamy and his uh, colleagues over there at union college as students who raised their voices and ultimately helped to lead to this decision of playing i I know you were uh, impressed with the whole effort as
1: much as i was yeah certainly and and you know at times like these it really is a dialogue between you know all the parties involved and I, i imagine that you know president harris was taking in consideration from you know medical as well as advisory you know board level staff, administration, et cetera. Um, but the fact that I think you know, that this, this decision obviously um, was made from Union College, but I think from the broader scheme of things, the fact that the, the, the league itself was also on board probably made it a little bit easier to, to go ahead and, and to uh, allow these kids the opportunity to play in the spring, especially after that was taken away from them basically about a, a year ago uh, today. Because I know at least down here in Florida, Uh, March 1st were were when the very first uh, COVID cases were were noticed down here, Um, although I found out after the fact that there were plenty of people that I knew who felt sick and probably had it back in January or December. But, um, you know, that that lost season uh, that that we saw in in the springtime, hopefully will, you know, come back. And, you know, once again, as we've said with this whole spring football thing, everything is... Tentative TBD schedules could change. They could morph depending on how things go. But at least their school is trying to find a way and to give these uh, student-athletes the opportunities that they deserve to have as, as part of their college experience.
0: Well, for every game we lose, we sometimes gain a game too. The NCAC is going to be uh, going to action, it looks like, at least with a handful of their schools, uh, whereas we lost another Maryville game on the schedule. And so things are balancing out ultimately even in spring football. Uh, It's tentative, but it's good to know that these schools are doing everything in their power to play right now, it seems like. There was a point last year, and I think we noted this last week, where it felt like schools were finding every excuse not to play. Now it seems like the schools have turned the corner in this and are trying to find every excuse to play. I'm going to put the asterisk here on the Ivies and the NESCACs, and I would say to them... And MIT, who
1: announced yesterday that they were basically not going to go for it, and I kind of understand. That's probably more of a PR move than anything else, but they did at least announce that that's their plan.
0: Well, MIT's other problem is that uh, they still aren't having all classes back currently, if I remember correctly. I think RPI is not included in the Liberty League return to play for the same reasoning. I think Bard as well, uh, which obviously is in a football school. Um, Our friend Ralph Icernia over at RPI I know is uh, really... Wanting to get back to action in some way, shape, or form. It kills me for him because he's such a friend of the show to see RPI struggling to get back in this respect. Um, You know, I hope his players understand that he is trying as hard as he can to get the administration to budge on certain things at RPI. So, for as much as we talked last week about, you know, the, the, pr effect of it all of not returning to play when you look at a coach like him remember there's a balance between what an administration does and what your coach does and are you playing for the school or the coach first, really when you get down to it, that's the stuff you really have to process when you're a football player or any uh, athlete. and you know stuff like this is happening. So for every good piece of news, we do have a counterbalance still every so often, but sure. still, it's good to see return to play for Union College and the Liberty League at large. Uh, and we'll see where it goes. JB, we had 12 games, as we pointed out, two on Friday, 10 on Saturday. P- plenty of clips. I've got more paper on my desk than I have for a normal legal <laughs> brief. So there you um, go. I think that's a all right, time Counselor. to uh, do what we normally do best here when there's actually football being played. For me to say, this is crunch time for week four of the spring 2021 football season. I should say D3 football season, of course, and uh, we're going across the nation when you really think about it at this point. Starting in the ODAC that began their play on Friday night, Embry and Henry versus Farum. And early on in this game, uh, get used to this name, Grayson Overstreet. Love the name, love his game play. Cool. He starts off with a three yard touchdown run in the first quarter, and that's a 10 play, 88 yard drive that started off things at 7 0 for EH. And Marine Henry uh, then upped it in the second quarter. Uh, Grayson Overstreet again, this time 41 yards. Uh, he got to the one yard line, and a few plays later, he cleaned up uh, the situation after they lost seven yards to get an eight yard touchdown run, as you see here, making it 14 0. Final score: 17-0 Emory and Henry. Uh, Overstreet: thirty-two carries, one hundred ninety-six yards in those two touchdowns. Uh, defensive lineman Jay Schweighimer, Swi- I should say, had five tackles, uh, including uh, included inside those five was the three and a half tackles for loss, which were all sacks. That's a day for a uh, defensive lineman, that's for sure. And uh, Fairlawn quarterback Titus Jones. 199 passing yards, but minus 47 yards rushing because he was sacked seven times in the game. Uh, Let's just run right uh, to another ODAC game. We'll uh, finish out the ODAC before I go to you. Shenandoah at Bridgewater. And really early on, Bridgewater seemed to be ruling this game. In the second quarter, 148 left in that half. 21-0 Bridgewater after Derek Jenkins gets a 10-yard touchdown pass from Matt Lawton. So again, 21-0, everyone's feeling good in the Bridgewater sideline, but eventually, halfway through the third quarter, Shenandoah's Nicholas Rochouar takes a two-yard touchdown pass from Zachary Mathis, making it 21-14. Uh-oh, what's going on here? Suddenly Shenandoah is coming back, and then Rochouar again from Mathis from 63 yards out, a minute into the fourth quarter, trims it down to a three-point lead, 24-21. After a 27-yard Cameron uh, Geisman field goal making it 27-21, Shenandoah had one more chance and luckily for Bridgewater, Zachary uh, Mathis's pass was intercepted by Brett Tharp at the 10-yard line and that was it in that game. 27-21 in favor of Bridgewater. And uh, you know Tharp there with that uh, game-ending interception essentially had 9 tackles to go with it. Shout out, though, to Shenandoah's uh, Ben Bergen, 16 tackles. That's one of the highest numbers we've seen in all four weeks of uh, football that we've had. Uh, Mathis, 217 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception uh, on the day. And obviously that big interception at the end uh, thwarted the attempt at a comeback there. And the final video game from the ODAC, I mean, we have three video games here because of uh, the great action in that conference this weekend. Uh, It is Southern Virginia at Hampton-Sydney. Hampton-Sydney started up in the second quarter with Malik uh, Frost's one-yard touchdown run to make it 7-0, but here's kind of the story of the game here uh, in this next uh, few clips. First, uh, later on in the second quarter, Hampton-Sydney third and goal at the 10-yard line, and Tanner Bernard fumbles the ball. It was uh, Sion Ofa uh, forcing the fumble. Caleb Thomas lands on it for uh, Southern Virginia. And so then next possession, what happens? Davis Pinkson is intercepted by Will Shalita. Uh, 24-yard return on that, but two plays later, Tanner Bernard intercepted by Justin Mitchell. It was a back-and-forth, a lot of turnovers and uh, interesting callbacks on penalties and whatnot in this game. Uh, so at the halftime, it was still 7-0. Uh, Cole Becker uh, gets a one-yard touchdown run to make it 14-0 in favor of Hampton-Sydney in the third quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, Malik Frost gets his second touchdown of the game to ice it 21-0 in favor of Hampton-Sydney over Southern Virginia. And uh, Malik Frost with 15 rushes, 53 yards, including those two touchdowns. Uh, Bernard, 22 for 33 uh, with 185 yards passing, uh, but the interception that we saw there uh, obviously – hurt their uh, ability to put things away early on, gave Southern Virginia some uh, ability to stay in the game, but their defense did have four turnovers in the game. JB, uh, the last uh, ODAC game that we don't have video on, Randolph-Macon 44, Guilford 0, as the L-Jackets outgained Guilford 312 to 87 uh, in total yards, and you can see the rest right there. ODAC action, I know you're all over this, Friday night uh, with the two games, uh, the uh, Emory-Henry game, the Randolph-Macon game, and then some of the great action we saw on Saturday. Good to see the ODAC back here.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, part of what you see down here has to do with um, with this particular conference because the O and the ODAC on, on Friday and part of Saturday was the Ofer. We saw you know, three shutouts, but we also saw an amazing um, probably one of the best uh, games of the spring between uh, Bridgewater and Shenandoah, uh, uh, almost a comeback uh, for the Hornets, came up a little bit short, but certainly one of the best games we've seen all spring. And yeah, in maybe in Virginia, the offenses are still trying to put things together based on graduations and opt-outs and what have you, or maybe we just have a really strong defensive conference there um, in the Old Dominion and we'll have to see how it plays out over the next few weeks.
0: Indeed. Uh, So, ODAC, uh, four good games. Appreciate them uh, putting putting forth the effort. Good video and good action, uh, to say the least. Let's go to the SAA. Really the game of the week here, uh, although we're trying to keep this group by conference uh, this week a little bit more, uh, was in the SAA, and uh, our guest later is representing uh, the SAA uh, in terms of Birmingham Southern over center, 42-35. Got plenty of clips here, so let's jump into it. With a minute of 47 left in the first quarter, it took a little while for some scoring in this game. It was Patrick Edwards from Trenton Dupper, a 43-yard touchdown pass to make it 7-0 to in favor of center. Uh, nine minutes left, second quarter. Things are starting to get a little hot and heavy in this uh, first half at this point. As uh, Birmingham Southern's Robert Schuford, who, by the way, was a Galardi Trophy finalist. And by the way, uh, I, I got something wrong in the uh, coach interview coming up here. I've got to bring up two. Uh, in a little bit you'll see what it is but Schuford said Rossi uh, get my uh, you know qualifications correct and uh, <laughs> I, I will make sure you mention my name on your next show and I, indeed Robert you're right 7 yard touchdown run Dueling 14-7 him. at halftime it was 28-21 21 apiece uh, just in that second quarter. Third quarter Birmingham Southern's uh, Wells Smith from Trevor Oaks 44 yards is this touchdown pass ties the game a minute into the second half. Schuford his third touchdown. I think I said he only had two uh, when uh, we had talked to uh, Coach, and it, it's three. So, a, a correction if you hear me you say that wrong. Yep, he got the hat trick. The 10 yard touchdown run makes it 35 28 in favor of Birmingham Southern, their first lead of the game. But look, a minute and a half left in the game. Greer Stone from Trenton Dumper, the two yard pass made it 35 35. We're certainly going to overtime, right? Uh, Not so fast, my friend, because less than a minute later, in a five-play 60-yard drive in 48 seconds, Trevor Oaks uh, gets the uh, touchdown run from nine yards out, and that's all. She wrote 42 to uh, 35, but wait, hold on. Was that it? Well, look at this pass in lateral situation here uh, that gets them to midfield, does center, and... Trenton Dupper tries at least here to get one final breath with two seconds left for the end zone, falls short, and that is it, 42-35 in favor of Birmingham Southern. Great heart in this game all around, Uh, you can see the stats on the uh, scoreboard, and uh, JB, SAA action is definitely something that we've gotten really used to seeing exciting action on these last couple weeks.
1: Yeah, I know. They're, these guys are 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 playing to win. They're playing hard. Uh, you can't tell them that these spring games are meaningless because they are fighting. Uh, and this is one of those. This was like almost a D three classic type of type of game, and it was just interesting. You know, neutral field, Tennessee team from kentucky team from alabama going at it um, with a lot of history their their rivals the coaches have have worked together lots of great backstory and so this has been part of the real fun part of this whole spring football thing for me is learning about all these uh, programs around the country here in the southeast not too far from where i am in florida and uh you know keep an eye on on birmingham southern and, and center and others actually the saa uh kind of spring race is still completely up in the air we don't know who's going to play in their kind of crossover championship games in a couple weeks those will be uh, those pairings will be decided this weekend and we'll talk about that in a little bit
0: and again, Schuford with those three touchdowns, 20 rushes, 76 yards, five touchdowns on the season, I believe, is uh, his number uh, currently. Uh, let's talk about uh, Hendricks at Austin briefly here, 49-31 in favor of Hendricks. Uh, the Warriors led 42-10, though, and Austin had uh, tried to put a rally together, although it was going to be a heck of a rally if they could get back in down 32. Um, Kip Van Hoos with 10 rushes, 94 yards, three touchdowns. And Miles Thompson for Hendricks, 22 for 26 passing, 244, two touchdowns, one interception, and had 72 yards on the ground. So over 300 yards of offense by Miles Thompson. Barry, 54, Rhodes, 7. Rhodes just not having a season uh, to remember here. Uh, but look, you're, you're gaining education here for the fall. you gotta, you got to chalk it up to that if you're a team like Rhodes right now. The Vikings have led 37 0 at the half. Now, Gain Roads 467 290. It wasn't a complete route in the yardage scenario, at least. Uh, Barry quarterback Gavin Gray 15 for 21, 204, three touchdowns, and an interception. Let's go back to the videotape, as they say, as uh, we go to the American Southwest Conference. And Louisiana College and East Texas Baptist. Let's. Uh, this was actually Louisiana College's first game, uh, believe it or not, and they end up winning at twenty-three yeah. to seventeen. Here's how: uh, first, James Powell Jr. with the one-yard touchdown run early, actually twelve minutes into the game, just about uh, made it seven to zero in favor of uh, Louisiana College. Eventually, they took a sixteen to nothing lead on Kanan Leon's uh, nine-yard pass from Sal Palmero. Uh, so, halfway through the second quarter, sixteen to zero. Louisiana College. East, East Texas Baptist, though, as we know, was not going to quit here, and Aaron Brown gets a 19-yard touchdown run before halftime to make it 16-7. Uh, a Devin Briscoe, uh, one-yard run, eventually uh, made it 23-10, not seen here, but uh, what you will see is Quo a a K- Heath, a four-yard p- a touchdown pass from Troy Yowman uh, making it 23-17. East Texas Baptist trying to get a final breath in this game with about four minutes left it's louisiana college running out the clock on east texas baptist winning 23 to 17. also on video uh in a second here uh, we'll see the umhb game i should say the stats here for louisiana college uh basically the uh, defense held east texas baptist to one for eight and zero for four and third and fourth downs respectively and picked off East Texas Baptist four times in the game. Devin Briscoe, 17 rushes, 101 yards, and a touchdown. Mirahorn Baylor, uh, we're including this. It was a lopsided game, but we want to show a little bit of equal time here because I kind of picked on uh, Tommy Bowden a little bit, I think, last week, saying (laughs) we wanted to see more of his arm. Here's a great 30-yard pass to K.J. Miller from Tommy Bowden halfway through the first quarter, uh, making it 10-0 UMHB over Southwestern. Then in the second quarter, while it's not a touchdown uh, right off the bat here, Bowden on third and 18 from his own 28-yard line rushes 59 yards to the Southwestern 13. Jackson rolls out to the right. He's going to keep his eyes down the field, try and make a couple defenders miss, and he gets back to the initial line of scrimmage. Follows his blockers, picks up the first down, gets across midfield. Misses, makes another power and miss, gets to the 40, the 35, 30, looking for some space at the 20. Hurdles a defender at the 15, and gets down to the 13. And then we'll show you two plays later. Kyle King finishes it up from five yards out to make it a touchdown. UMHB ultimately it ends the scoring, uh, or the scoring ends at 52 to seven. In favor of the crew, uh, you know, before that run, it, that game was somewhat in doubt. I think it was only seventeen to seven in favor of UMHB. So, you know, Tommy Bowden was kind of a playmaker there for his team when they needed him to be so. And uh, they eventually scored 20, twenty-eight unanswered in the second half to win it fifty-two to seven. Crew out gained them four sixty-five to one forty-six in seven for 17, 97 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. But those 11 carries for 102 yards did not hurt matters one bit. So still, Arm is not his, the highlight of his game. It's definitely his Tim Tebow-esque running ability that we uh, referenced last week. And the crew defense, uh, as always, uh, three sacks, 16 tackles wow. lost, two forced fumbles, two, two fumble recoveries. Uh, Jaden Smith with a touchdown in, uh, in those. <laughs> and an interception you could put the 12 days of christmas to their laundry list and uh, be effective in doing so uh finishing out the asc briefly here texas lutheran 24 selra state three stlu had led 10 to 3 at the half and running backs chris monroe and DeCorey willis combined for 33 rushes 254 yards, two touchdowns. There is a thunder or lightning tandem for you in your backfield. Yep. And Harden Simmons 49, McMurray 7, as Harden Simmons outgame McMurray 604 to 201. McMurray tried early to keep this thing close, but eventually just widened and widened on the scoreboard as the defense held McMurray to one of eight and over two for third and fourth downs, respectively. Kyle Jones, 247 passing yards for HSU and three touchdowns. Uh, we're not done yet, but The ASC action, JB, Uh, your takeaways there, including uh, Louisiana College kind of starting late here
1: and getting one that I thought that East Texas Baptist was going to win here. Yeah, well, I mean, East Texas Baptist, their offense had been on fire in the first uh, part of spring football, scoring a lot of points, and even their defense, you know, with a couple of pick sixes here and there. But it seems like this uh, this Tigers team defense is certainly – as strong, if not um, you know, stronger than some of the some of the others in, in the conference, and they were really the difference in in the game here. Um, but I will say the the impressive debut. I mean, Harden Simmons. You know, last week you accused me of some uh, bulletin board material. I might as well just keep digging my own grave here, Frank, because I think the Cowboys might be the the team to beat. Actually, I know everyone always sort of you know, bows down to to the crew, and and their track record certainly says that. But when you look at the the offensive weapons that Harden Simmons has, plus this impressive defense. Now, there isn't any defense that's as good or better than than the crews, but the offense it'll be an interesting matchup here, Frank, when these if and when these two teams get to play. I could actually see the Cowboys pulling off an upset. Again, in case you couldn't read lips, folks, that's James
0: Baker. I, I got my pointing <laughs> correct eventually in that. Uh, so, crew fans, that's at D3FB Huddle, and while it's our collective show name, it's at D3FB Huddle when you want to tweet to him your displeasure for what he just said. Uh, if you thought the southwestern coaches show was something, wait till this one gets clipped and played back by the crew. Yeah, I, I, I didn't pay him to do this, folks. I, I know better than to do something like that. <laughs> I've, I've stepped in it so many times. Okay, let's uh, let's finish things out here in the Northwest Conference. <laughs> I can't believe you just did that. Uh, Puget Sound hey. at Pacific Lutheran, and uh, it was basically the Duncan Farella show. Let's uh, talk about, uh, with a minute left of the first quarter, Duncan Varela, a 25-yard pass from Murdoch Rutledge. Oh, the, the the names of some of these players that we've never gotten to before. I just love this. I mean, that's a quarterback for you. Murdoch Rutledge. Yeah. 6-3 to three is what the score became after that pass. In the second quarter, about five minutes in, Duncan Varela says, hey, I can run it in two, folks. Four-yard touchdown run made it 13-3. to in favor of puget sound and then duncan varela in the third quarter halfway through it gets a six yard touchdown pass from murdoch rutledge 20 to 3 is the score there in the final in favor of puget sound varela had 20 rushes 131 yards and one touchdown plus those three receptions and two touchdowns rutledge only completed seven passes in the game but hey two one for touchdowns so you know it reminds me of a Peliquin guy that we had on in terms of efficiency-type situations, in this case for a mm-hmm. quarterback. And uh, the defense for Puget Sound held uh, Pacific Lutheran 149 total yards, including 4 for 15 and 0 for 2 on 3rd and 4th down. So a stat that you're paying attention to, I noticed on our write-ups here a little bit more. But Puget Sound with yep. the win, Pacific Lutheran having a struggle here in the spring. But again, we're using spring football for a variety of reasons, and that's why we're covering it here in Crunch Time for week four. Okay, JB, overall insights here. Uh, let's let's kind of go back to our game of the week for a minute here. I mean, we kind of gave it a little bit of short shrift knowing that we would be talking a little bit more about it, but you bring up in the interview, this game was played actually in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, if I said it was at uh, Center or Birmingham Lipscomb Southern earlier. Academy. Yep, yeah, I, I was yeah. mistaken. But uh, what a game uh, in terms of just... Uh, never say die attitude in that game itself, and you know the fact that they have no ideas still, and some of the point permutations you're going to hear about uh, in our interview coming up uh, of who could be in the uh, championship game because we have one more week of play left, and not all teams are playing still. Uh, for instance, Birmingham Southerns in the, in the clubhouse right now, waiting to see what happens yeah. and who they'll play. Uh, that tells you right there that the SAA has been fun. I mean, just pure fun for fans to watch, or even strangers to it to a certain degree like us. I mean, we know some of the teams there mm-hmm. for various reasons, but we don't know no, we don't know SAA players like the back of our hand like we do in other areas. Schuford gave them some good marquee value with the Ghilardi finalists, finalist uh, thing a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, but I mean other than that, it, it, this has really given them a chance to put themselves on the map and it's great action.
1: No, it's it's definitely been the most competitive. Con- I mean, there haven't been a ton of conferences out there playing, but as far as you know, every week you can always count on um, a really close, exciting game or two in in this conference. Um, whereas in you know the ASC side, we've seen one or two close ones, but for the most part, there's a pretty um, clear cutoff is from the haves and the have nots in that in that conference and so far we've seen mostly um, those types of games hopefully when we see maybe the Harden-Simmons versus UMHB types of matchups we'll get that same you know high level quality of play like we got to see in the game uh, between Birmingham Southern and center, or maybe, you know, Bridgewater and Shenandoah, you know, two kind of top teams in their respective conferences, really duking it out and battling it to the bitter end. Can't wait for, can't wait for that. Should be exciting. We got tons more games coming up in this month of March. It's going to be a lot of fun to to try and keep up and keep track of all of it. Uh, But it's what we're going to do.
0: Well, I'll tell you one person who's more welcome in Belton, Texas uh, than you right now uh, would be Tony Joe White uh, as uh, Birmingham Southern, uh, you know, has played some good football and competitive football that and uh, we had him on the show to talk about Birmingham Southern's win over center on Saturday. Coach, thanks for joining us, and boy, I'll tell you, that center game, that first half was a track meet, uh, I think, 28-21 at halftime after you guys had, uh, closed the gap a little bit just before halftime. Uh, you almost pitched a shutout in the second half uh, defensively. What did you tell the team during halftime that got that defense to finally step up and help you guys cruise to a, uh, not really cruise, but at least get to a seven-point victory?
2: Well, you know, one of the things that we tell we talk about all the time around here is when when things are going our way, the way you continue to have things go your way is just continue to execute. And you know, we, we we tell the guys all the time when we look at film and we see a great play, we don't talk, you know, we didn't have a great play happen because we had more heart or we wanted it more. You know, all that stuff is coach speak and, and fluff and that's not how you win football games. But we also say the same thing when things are not going our way. When we watch film and it's not going our way, it's not because we had a lack of heart or we didn't want it. It was because we did not execute. We did not get aligned. We did not tackle. And so we just kind of stayed the course with what the game plan was and you know, corrected some, some mistakes we were making and began to execute really, really well in the second half. And that was what kind of changed the course of it for us. We did not do a good job of executing in the first half. We did much better in the second half. Well,
1: one of the things you guys executed was was something that um, I want to give you know both you and the center program some credit for because one of the first things I realized was like wait a minute you know we have a team from Kentucky playing a team from Alabama in Tennessee. Talk about finding a way, coach. I mean. How how did you guys logistically you know figure this out? I mean, I, I've heard of Lipscomb. I believe uh, Trent Dilfer, uh, former Super Bowl champ uh, with the with the Ravens, is is the head coach there. I, how did how did this game you know even come together with these dis- disparate locations? I know the SAA has has had some um, some changes of heart as far as spectators and whatnot. But you know, basically a neutral site game for all intents and purposes. And what was some of the background and maybe pros and cons of that type of setup?
2: Man, we had all kinds of things come up uh, COVID related, obviously that um, we had one team opt out or chose not to play. um, And then uh, that kind of fouled up our schedule. Uh, There's some protocol issues um, and each school has its own individual set of protocols and, and, and opinions on how to mitigate and we just, uh, felt like that one of the things that would help both of these teams out, as far as avoiding a hotel stay, um, being able to travel the day of the game, uh, was to play at a neutral site. And um, I think one of the uh, one of the uh, center coaches, their offensive coordinators is now Les Steckel, who coached for the Titans for a while and has been around, knows a lot of people, and and he had a relationship with um, with. Uh, coach Dilfer and and I think they were able to get the site get the venue secured and then it was just a matter of uh, you know figuring out who was going to be the home team it ended up being us and uh, you know the fan policy and all that stuff was just details that I left up to the administration I didn't want to get caught up in all that so we just kind of showed up and tried to play a football game on a Saturday afternoon.
0: Well, you got it off the ground, and it was one of the best games of the weekend, uh, for that matter. So congratulations to everybody involved with that. Robert Schuford was a name that I got to speak of about a year and a half ago uh, doing the Glarity Trophy uh, finalist show. I don't know if you remember that back when. It seems like so long ago at this point after all this uh, that we've been through. But uh, Robert is back and doing great work for you. I think, what is it, five touchdowns uh, this uh, short season, two of them this past weekend, uh, nearly six yards per carry uh, for him. Uh, he's listed as a senior, and this isn't the only person that's listed as a senior for you that's playing, that's probably graduating in some way, shape, or form this spring, or, you know, right before the summertime starts up. How's this all going to work? Is Robert uh, committing to come back? Are other players committing to come back? Help us kind of work out this mumbo-jumbo of what class years are or aren't right now and what these fifth-year opportunities are going to look like at a school like yours especially.
2: Yeah. You know, the thing about the, the SAA, all the schools, um, you know, the, the, these are strong, strong academic institutions. And these kids come here pursuing their degree and they get to play football uh, as, as well. And, you know, the, the academic rigors and the way the registration is set up, most of these guys are set to graduate in four years. So what we've done is we, we've allowed our guys to have this experience, to, to go through this, this truncated season, and then we'll let them, you know, we're going to sit down uh, when the season's over individually and, and, and kind of assess where they are and what they need to do. You know, we've had a couple of, of starters um, that have chosen not to play because they had internships that were going to transition right into gainful employment as soon as uh, they graduate in may and they just couldn't you know sacrifice that internship to finish out uh, a spring season that at the time they had to make their decision we weren't sure it was going to happen yet and so there's been a lot of that and shuford and, and and many of our other seniors we're going to have those conversations once this thing's wrapped up and kind of let them take a step away and uh, have some time to kind of decompress and let them assess where they want what they want to do going forward.
1: Well, we 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 hear what you're saying, coach. And I think it was on a show or two before where we're basically told the, the student athletes, if you got the job lined up, take the job. <laughs> you know, yep. It's, yep. A, it's, it's a it's a safe bet, but um, I know that there's a couple more games uh this weekend and, and maybe we can um, put you in the uh. You know the seat of, a, of an analyst because one of the one of the big games is uh, center going to Barry. You've played both teams. Yep. You know you know about both of uh, these programs very well. Hendricks and uh, Trinity are also um, going to be lining up. And f- so, what I understand, Coach, right now your season is quote unquote you know finished, but the outcomes of this weekend's games will have an impact on the final uh, regular season. I guess week six on the 13th of March, you guys ha- will play wherever you're seated and that seating is still up in the air. So maybe help, help us understand a little bit of some of the, the, um, the possibilities, you know, would it be you guys as a one or a two or, or, or what have you? Yeah,
2: I, you know, we, we're, we're divided in east and west over there um, and the west one and two and three and four are still up for grabs. And in our side, we need center to beat Barry by a certain amount of, it's kind of crazy because we need center to score a certain number of points. And we need Barry to not score a certain number of points for us to go and center needs to score a certain number of points and not give up a certain number of points. Barry just needs to win. And uh, if center can knock off Barry by the right score or by the right point differential, then, then we could go. And if they do it by the uh, point differential that they're looking for, then center gets to go and represent the, the east side as the one seed. Um, so we could still end up as low as the third seed, which we still don't know who we would play from the west side as the third seed because that game is still yet to be determined. So we've still got four potential Opponents that we're going to have to wait and see how this coming weekend plays out. And like you said, we're off, and so uh, we'll definitely be sitting by the by the TV and scoreboard, watching and see you know how this thing ends up. The biggest thing we need to do is I need center to win and uh, win by the right math.
1: That's so interesting. Code, and you have yeah. You, I was just going to say, here's what I here's center, what I got. Right?
0: This is what I got from all that, Coach. I can't even make a whiteboard uh, computation <laughs> out of all
1: that. <laughs> well, I, I know you I know you weren't a fan of them on Saturday, but you have a little history with Center, right? You you had coached um, the Colonials at one point prior to, to coming over to uh, the Panthers, right?
2: Right. I was there for nine years under Coach Fry, and and I've said this before, you know. I spent nine years in head coaching school. That man's as good a head coach as I've ever been around. And, uh, you know, uh, he, his program is first class in, in every aspect. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it was definitely a blessing to be able to be a part of his staff
0: but you beat the mentor. You can't forget that fact. Uh, so, I mean, uh, he, I'm sure he walked away from that game like, what? what is this? The young whippersnapper is beating me here. What's going on here uh, in that situation? But you guys had a great game and uh, deserve that win uh, for sure. Coach, here's a generic question for you. Uh, we've been talking a little bit about spring sports generally, not just football, but some schools have not come back into the fold yet and are deciding to do so and uh, we were talking to uh, one of our friends out there a student athlete who will remain unnamed and they said well you know my team might not want to play a lot of my teammates if there's not a championship to aim for and let's face it the saa and all the other conferences that have these crossover opportunities were guaranteed them ultimately if COVID knocked out a bunch of the scheduled games because you know it becomes kind of futile to try to schedule such a situation if there's not enough games played so nobody was guaranteed anything this whole thing For the students that did come back, and you kind of told us about some that didn't for their own reasons and whatnot, but for the students that did, how did you convince them that, hey, spring football is worth playing. This is something you want to do uh you know even without a championship guarantee which is what we all aim for in your conference or you know nationally whatever how did you get them back what would your message be to student athletes going through the motions right now of i don't know if i really want to play this spring in my sport insert sport here
2: well i don't know that we had anybody that just didn't want to play simply because they didn't you know they weren't going to have fun the only guys that we had that this that, that opted out were were guys that you know it was it was that situation where uh you know it was going to lead to something that was much more long term uh, is in their best interest long term um and and the, you know i think that speaks to the culture that that exists around here now um you know these guys love each other they love playing with each other as far as uh you know the, just the camaraderie that you have on a football team and and you know it, it was kind of a we we didn't know if we were going to play in the fall or not and they were hanging in there and then we decided hey we're going to wait and only play conference games okay so we're all in for playing conference games we can't wait to win our conference and then it was okay we're going to wait till the spring so we went all fall you know with that carrot out there that spring was going to happen um, I, there were more than one time where I was concerned where we going to get this spring, and I'll, I'll be quite honest with you. I'm kind of I'm kind of surprised that we are here at this point. And and each week, you know, we test our guys three times a week, and every day we test. It's okay. How are these results going to look? Are we going to have so many guys out that we have to postpone? Because we saw that happen all fall with the guys at the Division One level. Um, so there was just kind of this step-by-step process of just kind of keeping the carrot out there of, okay, this isn't gonna be what we normally are used to, but we do have this opportunity. And ultimately it was, we're going, we get to be together, we get to to prepare, we get to have our team um, do the things that that make football such a special game. And uh, as, as it kind of kept playing out, we just kind of took it step-by-step day at a time and um, you know, once they finally said, hey, you can put the ball down and play the game, we went up to Memphis and we played our first game. And, and, and that was such a, a breath of fresh air just just to be out there. And and there were a couple times in the game where I was just kind of able to step back and, and look out there and think, holy smokes, we're really doing this. This is fantastic. And, uh, you know, I mean, even if there's nothing on the line, what was going on out there Saturday and the intensity and the... And the the back and forth, I mean, that was just fun. And um, that's what the game is all about. Um, it doesn't matter if you're coaching junior high or if you're coaching the NFL, man, when the, the field's 100 yards long and and you got to score more points than the other guy and when you're competing, you get caught up in that and it's fun. And uh, that's what I think our guys have bought into and, and have enjoyed through this whole process. Amen. Amen to all
1: that. Yeah, Coach, so I guess um, we'll have to wait and see what what happens, uh, you know, for for the Birmingham Southern Panthers. But, you know, being another, you know, guy here down in the southeast, sometimes I don't think, um, at least from a national perspective, that D3 fans realize how – spread out your, your conferences, you know, how far it is to get to Barry in Georgia, how far it is to get to center up in Kentucky and you get, to, you know, Tennessee. You know, there's some pretty long road trips and it presents some, some interesting challenges. But it's also, I, I, I would, I'm kind of curious just as a, you know, as a, as a coach in Alabama, um, some of the challenges that you see, I mean, the south the Southeast high school football is such a big deal. The Division I, the SEC, all those big time programs. And you see a lot of uh, kids out there that are sort of D1 or bust. Um, you know, they want it. They want an offer. They want to. They want to walk on. They want to play for. You know, maybe even the the, the dragons, the you know, the, uh, the the Birmingham team um, across the street from you guys. But uh, so, what what have been some of the unique challenges that you've uh, you know, aside from this whole unique challenge of COVID, which you know is a whole. Other you know deal, but one of the biggest parts of, of building a program like you're doing is to recruit student athletes. You guys obviously have you know a strong academic program. You're unique in certain respects as far as colleges down here in the southeast. There aren't a ton of Division three football teams. You know what's been kind of the um, what's been kind of the sales pitch uh, for for you to, to get your program where it is today.
2: Well, one of the things we talk to the, to our recruits about is just the fact that you know you're going to get a world-class education we feel like we're one of the strongest academic schools in the state of alabama and you know guys that are looking there's a certain type of, of of individual that's looking for that type of education that's looking for that type of school that puts that type of value on education and uh you know we 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 sell the fact that we're playing for championships you know we're we we want to be a team in the SAA that every single year we're in the discussion and we're competing and, and we're winning the conference championship. And so you get to come here and you get that world class education, but you also have that um, that that competition element where you're getting to play for championships. So you get the best of both worlds in that regard. You know, there's there's some places you can go and you you know you know you're going to go and win a championship every year, but the quality of the education you may get might not be as strong as what you hope for. And then there's other institutions where you can get. You know such a strong education but but athletically you know you might not be able to have that that experience because you know there's there's character that can be taught in a loss but you can't lose all the time um you'll lose your guys if if that's the case and so we we put our kids in a situation where they're able to have success you know in the classroom they get that world-class education uh but we also we compete for championships and, and and they they appreciate the fact that they get to have the best of both worlds in that regard. And, and we, we sell that in a number of different ways.
0: Coach, I, I have not made it uh, to Alabama, despite being a frequent guest on Montgomery's uh, Sports Radio 740 with Russell Terry on his uh, show uh, over there. But I, I promised him I would make my way eventually uh, to Alabama. Hopefully maybe do a whole swing and uh, see your team and school uh, on my way through. Uh, good food, good times is what I've been guaranteed throughout the state. And uh, some good football, to say the least. Uh, not just in the Division One context, but Division Three as well. And I look forward Excellent. to seeing that happen. But uh, good luck on whatever remains here uh, next month. Uh, or actually, it's this month we've crossed into March as of uh, recording today. But uh, I, I'll try to get the permutations down right to, you know, be, figure out who to root for, or who to root against. Uh, but it's going to be an interesting weekend for you to sit back, relax, and watch a little bit, maybe do a little scouting on uh, the films, and then uh, come out for one more game for a spring season that I can tell you and your team are very thankful for. Thanks
2: for joining us. No doubt. I appreciate you guys.
0: Coach White is one of those guys. We've we've said it in several times before. You, you, you hear him talk about motivation and football and the life lessons and everything else. And this is a guy you would run through the wall for, no doubt. I, I was absolutely to him captivated about. What he'd say, again, these guys are strangers to us and vice versa. We get it. Not all of them know who we are. Maybe they remember me from the Glardy show a couple of years ago announcing Robert was uh, mm-hmm. Robert Shuford was a finalist and whatnot. But beyond that, they don't know who the heck Frank Rossi and James Baker are in the South as much as we'd hope at this point. And, you know, to hear them and to hear their philosophies and for them to know that they have a tough job trying to recruit in some of these schools because of what they're surrounded by, especially with the Division One mentality that exists more so in the South than even up here in the North and the Northeast, especially the Northeast. We don't have that much Division One presence up here when you think about it in football. Uh, It's really impressive uh, to hear and understand they're working their butts off to get quality players and be competitive, and they are indeed very competitive. In these conferences in the South, and guys like him are a reason for that.
1: Yeah, and, and I absolutely loved what he had to say with respect to. It's not like did they want it more? Did we want it more? Was it good or bad luck? At the end of the day, as a coach, and and you know, as a I guess, in, from for me, where it hit home is one of my kids plays on a pretty competitive uh, club volleyball team, and although they won all of their games on Saturday, Sunday they just came out and were flat made a lot of mental other errors, and they were done early, which was kind of surprising because they had finished second place in the the top bracket at the uh, Tampa tournament a couple weeks earlier. And his statement of it really boils down to execution is so true, and there are very few coaches that um, really articulate that perspective in such a kind of a calm and direct way. You know, sometimes you hear the screaming of, you know, don't beat yourself or, you know, this and that and the other thing. Coach White, I, I just loved the way he put it. It's like you know we're in control of our uh, of our own destiny. Our execution is going to dictate whether we win or lose. It doesn't have anything to do with the other team necessarily. And I think that's uh, that's something more coaches out there, um, in, in regardless of the sport, not just football, but just in general, have to have that sort of even keel and, and realistic. Yet, yeah, but at the end of the day, it does boil down to that. And so I really appreciated hearing him say that. And, you know, I've also appreciated getting to see his team because they've been one of the most interesting and, and most entertaining as far as, you know, quality of games. Um, just this the week before, they barely lost to, to Barry, um, kind of at the very end. But this week they found a way to get the win at the end. And so, you know, credit to them. It'll be interesting to see where they end up in their this bracket thing. They could be the first seed. They could be the third seed. It's kind of crazy. And that's what, uh, you know, the fun part of being a football fan is.
0: Indeed. I mean, at 2-1, and one, you would think that you'd have some certainty that you'd be uh, above the fold, not below the fold in a certain situation like that. But again, the SAA is playing out that way, and kudos to them. I, again, I, I just I really applaud the players as much as the coaches for remembering the fact that they're competitors and not refusing to be competitors on the, these fields, yeah. despite the shortened season and no guarantees of really a meaningful championship, per se, because everybody's going to put asterisks near everything, and... Which I think is a bunch of BS, to be honest with you, at, at this point. Yeah, it, it, like we did in the fall it, with the whole it national counts. championship approach. The whole idea here is to highlight the schools that transcended here to play football when the country had doubts about it in the first place. Okay, so you know what? Screw your asterisks, uh, you know, to all the conferences <laughs> in the country out there. Screw the asterisks because in reality this is even it deserves an asterisk in the other direction this is even more special and more memorable trust me in this when you look back at it you're going to remember this season this shortened season if you played it more than you will remember a mundane season of nine to ten games or whatever it may be trust me in it when you look back at it later on and you know in season 26 we'll have you on the show so you can tell us if i was right or wrong (laughs) Speaking of uh, interesting seasons and uh, whatnot, uh, I believe we have 18 games and three scrimmages coming up. Why don't you run down some of the highlights of this uh, situation for those that don't know more Friday action and some scrimmages? I mean, where where did that come from?
1: Yeah, that's a, that, that's a good point, Frank, because yeah, I mean, Friday, it looks like we have um, three ODAC games coming up, uh, which is interesting because I think... One of them um, is actually slated at two p.m. That's a uh, Southern Virginia uh, going to Emory and Henry. So uh, a little happy hour D three football, I guess you could say. Um, but one of the games, which is we highlighted back at the beginning of the season, is as, as a really uh, a big game to watch, and it certainly seems to be playing out that way with how they performed uh, this past weekend. Bridgewater will be going to Randolph Macon in a game that has you know, sort of conference bragging rights on the line, that'll be Friday night under the lights and hand and Sydney, will uh, go to Shenandoah, who's probably hurting a little bit after that close loss uh, to the Eagles, and they'll be looking to try to you know, get their first win. So some, you know, three great games starting at 2pm on Friday, uh, a couple of a couple of 7pm uh, kickoffs, and then Saturday, boy, all over the place. But I guess we can start with the early game, Frank, Hendricks is going to Austin, I think, or sorry, no. Hendricks is going to Trinity, uh, Texas at 11 a.m. Um, that is going to be a 10 a.m. Central Time start. Uh, before we recorded this, we talked a little bit about that. that's probably because there's some other game at like 1 or 2 in the afternoon, and they're just trying to make use of the field. So, Early start on Saturday morning in the SAA with Hendricks uh, traveling to Trinity. And then also um, Millsaps will be going to Austin. And then the nightcap there and a game that I know that Coach White has circled on his calendar, a 6 p.m. kickoff where center is going to Barry uh, here uh, in in Georgia, not too far here uh, from where I'm at in Florida. And so that should be an exciting uh, game there. And as far as the other, other games, what do we got in the U.S.? A, hey, we got Methodist going to Greensboro and North Carolina Wesleyan at Averett, uh, and then the ASC kind of at the traditional 2 p.m. kickoff. Um, the crew is going to ETBU, Howard Payne at Sol Ross State, Louisiana College, Bellhaven, and then probably the best game out of this bunch, Frank, at least from my opinion, Texas Lutheran at harden Simmons. Both teams are. Undefeated uh, at at the moment, two and zero versus one and zero, and we'll see if this uh, this Cowboys team is as good as I may have said they were uh, a little bit earlier on here. So that that'll be one that I'll be paying attention to to figure out if the next show I'll be having a serving of, of crow along with uh, along with my commentary. One of the things that we speaking of two o'clock games, Frank, that was interesting that we, I noticed in a tweet yesterday that the battling bishops of Ohio Wesleyan University are hosting DePaw in the ncac that's a 2 p.m kickoff out in ohio so we have a new conference throwing their hat in the ring they're doing a, a, a very shortened schedule only a handful of schools from that grouping are doing it but um owu will be hosting and and so it's nice to see some new teams we'll have some more teams from ohio to talk about in our next show as the oac as you mentioned gets get started on march 12th Elsewhere, let's see, we have in the um, the Heartland, Bluffton at Manchester, Mount St. Joe's at Hanover, Anderson at Franklin, Defiance at rose Holman. Most of those games are about you know 2 o'clock starts and uh, should be interesting. Bluffton was one of our co-national uh, champions um, in the fall season for going 1-0 and certainly be interested to see uh, them go back uh, onto the field this spring. And then finally, uh, in the kind of the later spot, we have Whitworth and our friend uh, Ethan Peloquin going to uh, Puget Sound to take on the loggers again, and that's a three o'clock kickoff. And then if you guys on the East Coast are real diehard fans, there are three NJAC scrimmages. Um, Kane is going to William Patterson, Montclair State will be at Wesley and Dover, and then on Sunday, the 7th, Salisbury is going to... Christopher Newport uh, there in Virginia. So if you're in Jersey, Dover, Delaware, or, or uh, Newport News, Virginia, if you really want to see D3 football, there will be uh, some scrimmages happening around at least 1 o'clock on Saturday and 2 p.m. on Sunday. So, hey, uh, that's the beginning of, unofficially of the of the NJAC um, spring conference. Finally, get some East Region teams in in the fray. We'll we'll see what happens with the Empire Eight. Uh, we you know we've heard some reports, and Frank, I know you're kind of following up on that. There may or may not be some issues there, and and we'll have to wait and see how they uh, how they handle it.
0: Yeah, specifically Hartwick, uh, and whether or not uh, their policy of one infection on a team will cancel the entire team season or not is what the rumor is uh, on that, and it's we've heard it from multiple places at this point. So. Uh, we're trying to confirm the school uh, on that, and uh, we'll we'll continue to reach out to find out if that's true or not. Um, JB, uh, some great action indeed. Uh, I'm going to be watching. You're going to be watching. We'll have some uh, updates next week. Avi, Obvi- oh, wait. Sorry, I'm getting a phone call. I'm, I'm kind of sorry. One sec. Hello. Hi, Coach. How are you? Yeah, good to talk to you. No, I I I'd love to get down to Belton soon. Uh, definitely. Uh, wait, sir, I did not. I was not the one that said it. It was James Baker that said it. Okay, not me, Coach. Oh, well, I don't know if you have the power to fire him, but I mean, if if you really think it would be a good idea to maybe cancel him at this point, uh, okay, okay, Coach. Got it. Got it. He, he's gone. Thanks, Coach oh uh I guess this is a good time to end the show uh unless I'm going to monologue for the next uh, half hour or something like that so we'll uh, or I'll see you next week uh I'm not sure about uh the uh the other guy maybe we should uh, uh see if I can get rid of that yeah there we go now, now he's completely gone uh we will we'll, we'll, or I'll see you next week folks on uh, in the huddle